This show is dedicated to patron Zane Estrada. It's time for the Gospel of Kennison. Hey, how you doing, folks? This is the Gospel of Kennison, episode 101, brought to you the week of May 17, 2019. I'm your host. My name is James Kennison, and welcome to my personal audio journal. Yay! So... Thanks for listening, first of all. Thank you so much for tuning in and being one of the insiders of the insiders. You're like super awesome people that uh, are interested in more than just what I do for entertainment purposes. You also want to know what's going on in my life. And uh, so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to be talking about a lot of things. And following up on some stuff from the last time, I mentioned that I started a structure, and uh, I, I've I've been doing that, meaning I've gone through and filled in the blanks, so to speak, so that I can speak on different things and not always uh, have to just go off the top of my head. Um, there's a benefit um, beyond just having content at the ready. Uh, there's also the follow-up concept, meaning like last time I spoke to you, I had a certain number of things that I spoke about. Well, while I'm going through my notes, everything's still filled in. And it uh, if there's been any progress on any of those bullet points, those items that I discussed, then naturally it comes to my mind to write that down and mention it. So you may notice uh, in the next, you know, from last week and then in the coming episodes uh, that you see little storylines play out, you know? Um, so there we go. Um, first of all, I'll tell you some stuff I'm working on. I, I mentioned last time the St. Louis flag uh, that I'm making from wood. I've done absolutely nothing on it. I, I was I was supposed to cut the boards down to seven feet. But in the meantime, what I have done is I've done a similar project for the Melvin Theater, uh, the, the the historical theater that we're referring to become a church and community center. Um, I went up there the other day and got a uh, four by eight sheet of um, thin panel, you know, paneling. I cut it down to four by seven. And then we used this barn wood looking stuff. Uh, it was prefab, you know, it was fake wood, but it was various uh, ages, you know, of wood, all the same thickness and, and all that, and all about four feet long. And I covered uh, using Gorilla Glue and uh, liquid nails, I covered this board, this, this panel with all of those uh, pieces of wood and made... Uh, just a, a sign basically that looks like it's made out of old wood. And, uh, what we're going to do is, uh, put the Mel welcome. We're going to put the text. Welcome to the Melvin, the Melvin being a big font. Uh, welcome to the being smaller and on top. So welcome to the Melvin and then theater underneath. And that'll hang in the main lobby. And that's something we're working on. Um, I, I actually had to recreate the font um, from the front of the theater. There's a specific font that was hand painted, you know, a hundred, literally a hundred years ago on the front marquee. 
And uh, there's no way in the world that we would have been able to, you know, hunt up this font. It was just made specifically, uh, you know, for that sign in the space that, that was available for that word. So I took a photo and I found a font that had some of the elements and I heavily edited that font. And I've come up with something that, that is just, you know, it's spot on. I, I, I'm sure if you overlaid it, like blew it up, printed it out, overlaid it over the sign, there would be inconsistencies. I'm not saying it's perfect, but when you look at the picture, when you look at a photo of the theater and then you look at this word, Melvin, it is uh, it is immediately recognizable as the font that is used on the sign. So what we're going to do there is uh, welcome to the Melvin Theater. Uh, we're going to take that to um, some sort of a metal shop that uses, you know, that, that cuts out stainless steel, you know, or metal tin. I don't know what uh, material we'll end up using, but it, it'll cut out the letters and then using spacers and uh, screws will mount them to the wood, uh, you know, standing up off of it about an inch. That way it has a little natural shadow going on. Um, and it should look really sharp. And I'm proud of it. And uh, I hate that I can't get motivated to do my own project like that with the uh, the, the, the flag from wood. Um, but you know what? It, it's, it's, it's good that I'm working. Because the last time I spoke with you, I was pretty down. Um. I'm still tired. I'm still kind of uh, mopey, but my work ethic has come back and I've been doing a lot of stuff. Matter of fact, um, I work for a company called Spotty. Um, they have been uh, requesting and, and getting uh, artwork from me for well over 10 years. It's crazy. And I've never even spoken with them on the phone. Um, from what I gather, they are a group, a couple of entrepreneurs that are always um, in the business of trying to market uh, uh, sports memorabilia type of items like shirts and hats and uh, you know clothing items to uh, fans of different sports teams. Um, and and the, every now and then they'll have a new idea and they will send it to me and I will quote them and do up a project. And recently I got to do one. Um, I'm not going to mention the name of it. It's not important, but it was a text logo uh, with a cool black outline. And and, uh, and the fill of the uh, text was a, a, a hockey net. And, uh, and then as soon as I got that project done, um, they had me add it to a shirt um, tag. Okay. So like a tagless shirt. We'll have a screen printed tag in the back. I made one of those up and I just sent that off this morning. So um, been pretty busy, you know, with that uh, as well as the Melvin sign, you know, like I mentioned um, doing the fonts for that and typesetting that and, and, and getting that out to, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to cut it out of metal. We don't have a clue how much something like that costs, but, uh, hopefully it's, it's not, you know, prohibitively expensive. Cause it would be so cool to be able to do. Um, 
And then um, I another art project I've been working on is for one of my listeners. And uh, he has a blog called Headless Dragons where he shares stories. And uh, he wanted a header for his blog. And, and I finished that up this week. And um, I, I don't know. Let me see if it's even up there. Uh, I'll tell you what. Next time I podcast, I will remember... <laughs> And I will, uh, he'll have it up by then, and I will reference his website because he, he shares stories. And it's called Headless Dragons because at the end of a good, you know, medieval story, all the dragons have been slain, and the princesses have been saved, and uh, the story is has come to a happy ending. And uh, I got to do a cartoon-style dragon with his, his head lopped off. It, it It's a lot more tasteful than it sounds. And uh, to the side, you see the princess and the hero's legs walking off. Um, it was a lot of fun. And it was so, it was so stress-free because it was in my style. He wanted my style of artwork. And I can mimic almost any style of artwork, but it comes, you know, with some stress because it's like, I gotta, I gotta really think about it. I gotta really, uh, focus and make sure I'm, I'm doing everything the way someone else would do it. Uh, but when I get a request to, to do a cartoony style in my own, in my own style, that is, it's really not the first time it's happened, but it's one of the first times that I've been able to do it. And, um, it's been a lot of fun. It's just it's just good knowing that I'm not going to fail. Like every stroke I make, every everything I did, I knew that it would be uh, uh, appealing and what the customer wanted. So uh, looking forward to hearing back. Uh, well, actually, I have heard back, and he loved it. He thought it was great and stuff like that. So I can't wait to see it in use, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, I think I mentioned that I... I'm doing better this week, and it is kind of a week-by-week week thing, I've noticed. Um, I'm, I'm still tired a lot, but not nearly as much as I was. But I've had a busy week, and, and it's so good that I've felt better because I had jury duty. And um, I haven't had jury duty since I was in my 20s. And apparently here in St. Louis, people get called in about every two years. So I have that to look forward to. I've been here four, so I, I guess I, you know, I dodged a bullet there somewhere in there, but um, they say about every two years you get called, and, and, and they even answered that as if it was an FAQ question um, over the announcements when we were sitting there. And they said it's because the city has a very low population compared to the county that surrounds us, St. Louis County, uh, but has a high number of cases, so I guess a lot of crime. And um, so they're calling on the same people over and over again um, a lot more often than than you would in a in a, a you know out in the county or in a typical city kind of situation. It's usually when you have low population, you have low crime rates, but not necessarily here in St. Louis, one of the most wonderful cities in the in the world of course um 
Not a huge fan of St. Louis. I, I love the place. I love what we have here. Um, but there is a, uh, it, it's dark here. There's a lot of hate between people and a lot of mistrust and, and a lot of it's along, um, people think it's along racial lines. They really do. They think it's a black and white issue. Um, but it's, it's an economic issue and uh it it just happens to show itself through race because um in the city unfortunately this is the case uh most of the um poorer folks happen to be african-american and more of the well-to-do but definitely not all um are are white folks and and i I say well-to-do just average you know um homeowners, things like that. And uh, so what it does is it, it, it with things like Ferguson and, and all the different uh, issues that we've had in our area, it just really, um, it, it magnifies issues that are, that are really everywhere. I believe any, anywhere that we, you have uh, multiple races, but it's especially bad here because there's not a lot of others meaning there's not a lot of Asian Hispanics. Um, we have a lot of Bosnians, but they just kind of do their thing, you know, and live their life and have their communities and, and this and the other. Uh, but, but here in, in St. Louis, all the problems are magnified. And um, I don't want to use the word exaggerated because that makes it seems like I'm saying that the problems are made up, but I'm using the word exaggerated to say that it's, um, it's just uh, it's it's more obvious here because um, of the the way um, there there's no other. It, 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 if I was a black person in St. Louis, um, I would be angry because it would seem tremendously unfair that me and my uh, the folks that look like me are struggling so much and I will look around and it looks like everybody that's in a nice car, everybody that's walking into a nice house happens to be white. And there's been all this crime uh, or, or travesties against people that look like me um, from the police and, and this, that, and the other. Um, I, I would have a hard time living in this city and not being angry all the time. And, um, so I, I get it. I, I, I do. I, I, as much as a white guy can, um, I, I love, I love black people. I love the culture. I love them. I love, um, the potential that I see. I, I have worked with African-American kids and their families for years and years enough to be able to see many of them grow up and pull up out of the ghettos and the, one bedroom apartments where they shared one mattress together with their siblings. And, and now they're, they've got kids of their own in, in, in nice houses and, and they've made good choices. Um, I've also lived long enough to see kids that didn't make good choices and, and aren't doing great and aren't necessarily black people. It's <laughs> one kid in particular. I like to slap upside the head and get him straight. And he's as white as I am. But um, that's why I say it's not necessarily racial, it's economic, because 
it just happens to be racial in St. Louis because there's just white folks and black folks mostly. And so it looks racial, but it's economic guarantee you because I've lived in, uh, I've lived in Kansas city that has more diversity. It has, uh, Asian, Hispanic, black, white, and, um, there are poor folks that are white. There are poor folks that are Hispanic. There are poor folks that are black. And, and then there are, there are well, or I, I keep saying well to do. Um, I mean to say folks, um, that are middle-class that are black, white, Asian, and Hispanic. And so the racial element kind of lifts quite a bit and it becomes obvious that it's economic differences. Uh, because you know, if, if you're a, uh, I'll put myself back. If I was a, a black man in Kansas city, it would be harder for me to be angry because I would be living next to someone that looks different than me and is in the same situation as me. And I wouldn't be able to say it's because I'm black. It's because people are against me. It's because I'm hated. It's because I can't get ahead uh, because of the way the system is set up. It would be harder for me to do that uh, in Kansas city. Easy to do here in St. Louis. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how I got off on that. And I'm sure, uh, I'm sure if, uh, if somebody wanted to, they could really uh, s- change the, the intention behind what I'm saying. Um, I'm just saying, I don't like St. Louis because of the tension. Um, I am someone, like I said, that loves people and I try to do what's, right by others. And, um, that includes being friendly and giving people the benefit of the doubt. And, um, I don't always get that in return (laughs) from, from anybody. Everybody in St. Louis seems like they're on edge. Everybody in St. Louis seems like they are out for number one. And that is all they care about. And maybe that's just being in a city, you know, maybe that's just part of it. Um, but I hope that through the Melvin and, and the ministry that we do at the church, uh, I hope we will create a patch of, of difference. Meaning I don't know that we'll change the city. I'm never going to be that guy. That's like, we're here to change the city. Um, cause I've never seen that happen, but maybe we can change part of it. You know, I, I got, I got enough faith for that. Um, so anyway, Enough of that. St. Louis is just a, a stressful place for me to live because <laughs> I'm a, I'm a country boy at heart. I, I'm used to man in this, in this places I grew up, you would wave to people that you passed on the road in your car. Uh, first of all, cause you didn't pass that many people, but also just because it was that kind of thing. It was friendly. Uh, you know, when a funeral procession went by, you pulled over out of respect and let the entire procession pass instead of sharing a freeway with them and, you know, trying to avoid the motorcycles at the front and the back. Um, and, and, you know, driving around in St. Louis, wondering if somebody hates me or, um, if they think I'm, I think I'm better than them, which I don't. Um, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, there's a lot of anxiety. So, 
anyway, again, not really sure how I got off on that, but uh, I am doing better overall. Uh, got a got a work ethic coming back. Been doing a lot of good stuff. Um, yeah. So as far as family updates, my daughter, uh, we we went to her. What is it? Uh, a sports banquet, and and sports banquets are are not fun. Um, but it's one of those things you have to do. You know, it's it's like the, your kid's recital. Like you can't miss it. You wouldn't miss it. But if you could somehow see just the part where your kid performs and then leave without it being considered rude, you would do that. And that's basically what this was. You know, it was a it was a catered dinner kind of thing. Nothing too fancy. Just some uh, uh, red sauce and noodles and a meatball. You know, nothing super fancy. But you could tell somebody put a lot of work into it. And uh, so we had a, a little sit-down dinner, and my daughter bought a dress for it um, for a grand total, I think, of $14. <laughs> So they're, 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 uh, her and my wife are deal shoppers and, and they visit, uh, a lot of the outlet, uh, places. But anyway, um, she was beautiful, by the way, she looked, she looked, you know, so much older than just 14, but not in a slutty way, not in a grown up way. I mean, I'm in a grown up way, not a, not a slutty way. The dress was very, um, uh, it, it, it had an effect to where it made her look older, but not, um, not well, slutty. <laughs> I don't to say it. A lot of times young girls, uh, you know, when they look older, they put on more makeup, they wear skimpier dresses, they do these different things and they become more appealing to a average male, uh, AKA slutty, but they, uh, my my daughter can pull it off with a with with just a tiny bit of eyeshadow and a and a um a, a pretty dress and i and she does it with class and i i appreciate that about her and love her for it but she uh it was a soccer uh award ceremony it was also for track and field and boys baseball and i don't know and everybody had to get up and talk and talk about the most outstanding person and the most defensive person, the most offensive person, which is a good thing. Apparently I don't know much about sports, but being on offense is good. So offensive person and, uh, the character person. And anyway, she won, um, some sort of award for most improved, uh, in, in the soccer thing, which was great because apparently last year, um, she she had one of these things and i don't know why i didn't go but i was not there i uh, i think it was because i stayed home with jay uh because we didn't really know much about what the event was like and uh anyway i went this year and i was glad i did but uh last year all of her friends got little commendations and she didn't get anything and she was kind of sad about it. But this year she had a good year. She had 12 goals and you know um put a lot of heart and soul and passion into what she does like she does everything that she cares about anyway. And uh she got a little little certificate. Um yesterday 
Um, we also had a, uh, a, 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 what is it? An awards chapel, they called it, um, for eighth grade. And it was basically what passes for eighth grade graduation. They didn't do a full service, but the teachers got up and gave awards for each of the subjects. And Jenna got uh, a certificate for being um, the the class uh, student council president. And then um, she got another one for something. And I am terrible now because I don't remember what it was. But it wasn't attendance. I know that at least. But uh, again, she she was Jenna, and she was making us proud. She's doing her deal, and they did a cool thing. They had all the students from high school all the way to fifth grade in this chapel service, and they had them all sit together in rows. And they did something that I used to do in Kid City back when I was a children's pastor. At a certain point in the service they had the the they they had I, I guess everybody from 11th grade to fifth grade they had all the 11th graders move back a row and said oh that's you know that's where the 12th graders sit and they had their therefore the 10th graders move to where the 11th graders were sitting and it was a chaotic thing because they kept going down the line until finally the fifth graders moved forward into where the sixth graders had been sitting and they kind of promoted them that way. I used to do that in, in Kid City. We would have a graduation every year, and we would make a big deal out of letting our fifth graders go because mostly I wanted them to go, because not because I wanted to get rid of them, um, but because I wanted them to go into youth group. I wanted them to grow up, and, and the tendency for so many kids is to want to stay in, uh, in kids' church. But we'd make a big deal out of it, and we'd do this bridging ceremony where I'd be on one side of the bridge and the youth pastor would be on the other side of the bridge and we would each pray with them as they go across. It was this whole big deal. And then um, after that, we would have them sit in a different section and leave their section open. And I would say, fourth graders, what are you doing in the in, in there? You're not, or I'd say, fifth graders, what are you doing in there? You're, you're, fifth graders now you need to go sit over here and oh they had a blast moving up to the fifth grade section and then i would yell at the third graders and i'd say fourth graders what are you doing in there you need to get back in into the fourth grade section so and we would move everybody up all the way down from first grade and and um and and it was cool to see that from the audience perspective you know to see what that was like uh, I don't know that they appreciate it as much as elementary school age kids do, um, because uh, you know, in my in my world, the kids had street signs that had their uh, their group number on it. Like you know, first grade was First Street because uh, it was Kid City. You know, uh, second grade was Second Street on the way up to to Fifth Street, and you sat in your streets in your area, um, the you know every Sunday. And so moving seats to a new section was a big deal because you were literally moving from fourth street to fifth street, you know? So it was a bigger deal maybe than, than it was, but it was still, it was still cool to see somebody do the same thing, you know, a, a similar idea, a promotion of some sort. It, it reminded me of, of my time. And anytime I think back to those days, it, it's a good memory and I'm glad I have them. Um, 
speaking of which, here's something I didn't write down. Um, I'm going to apparently be in charge of the services that we do on Sunday nights. Uh, once we get services going regularly on, uh, with, with the Melvin, um, I sat down with, uh, my friend and, and mentor and, uh, boss, apparently <laughs> David, uh, who is the pastor of Novation church and, uh, just talked to him about the concept of, of how, how do we make a service for all ages? Because we're, it's, it's basically a theater building. We created a couple classrooms inside of it. Um, but it's still in large part, just this big open space. So there's not, there, there's going to be room for a nursery of sorts. Um, but there's not going to be a space for children's church and stuff like that. So we are just, we're going to have to figure out how to, uh, accommodate and entertain slash keep interested, uh, groups of all ages. And, um, after sitting down with him and telling him some of my ideas, he basically just put me in charge of it and it blows my mind. But it's a, it's also very exciting and to have a purpose again to to fall back into that role. I always said I'd never be a children's pastor again. And um apparently that is the case. I'm not. I'm I'm gonna be uh helping to put together uh the culture basically of, of these Sunday night services, and I get to be a family minister. Uh, or an all-age minister. I don't want to alienate people that don't have, you know, children or whatever. So, uh, but it, it's going to be an interesting challenge because we've got to have something for everybody because you don't want to go too kid-like because then you alienate the older folks and you kind of almost, uh, I would imagine, um, you can kind of insult the intelligence of, of adults. But at the same time, when I was doing children's ministry, I, I was always floored by how many adults would come up and say, I've never had it explained that way. And I learned so much each week from from the way that you teach. So I know the way uh, you teach a child uh, through object lessons and interesting um, examples and relatable uh, anecdotes and things like that. I, I know that works for adults, especially the unchurched, which is what we'll be uh, dealing with. Um, you know, teaching a child, a spiritual child is just like teaching a spiritual child who is five. You know, you, you, you have to keep it very basic. And um, that doesn't mean you water it down. It just means you cut it up into smaller bits and, uh, you know, spread it out a little bit so that they can digest it. So, uh, but, it, but it is going to be a challenge to have a service that's not a kid's service that, um, that appeals to kids. And um, I'm looking forward to it. I've already gone through um, some, I found some documents in Google Docs that I had written back in, I want to say, 2012. Uh, when, when the church I was a part of at the time was considering doing a family service and I was arguing against calling it a family service, calling it all age service because there's singles and there's elderly and, um, even teenagers that whose parents don't go to church. 
and we want to, you know, be inclusive uh, and, and not make it just for families. Um, but I, it's, it's like four pages of thoughts and, and things like that. And I, I read through it and, and it's so much stuff that I would have forgotten, uh, or I have forgotten, um, cause I'm not in the thick of it anymore. You know, I haven't done it for a while. So it's so great to have that, even though the church I was a part of never used that document and never ended up, uh, doing anything other than just letting kids come into the service. <laughs> they they didn't uh take any of the advice that I had. Um the uh the, it's great for me to have my own thoughts now uh ready to go. So, you know, there's a time and place for everything, I guess. So, um I'm I'm excited, you know, if you're a person that also prays for me, pray that pray for that first service. I don't know when it's going to be, probably uh late next month maybe maybe uh the month after but once we start um we're going to start strong some of the issues that have come up have been about discipline um for children and i don't mean whooping i mean keeping order in the service i i know how to do it when it's all kids but children have two ways of behaving they have the way they behave around their teachers and then they have the way they behave around their parents. And oftentimes, unfortunately, these days, the way they behave for their parents is sometimes worse than the way they'll behave for a teacher. And, and that's assuming the teacher has good structure and a good discipline structure, you know, and keeps their attention and stuff. But you can make a kid behave, a disbehaving kid, behaving kid, you can make them behave in a classroom setting and then they go home and they'll be holy terrors for their parents. And I've seen it. I've seen it because kids that are great in my church service, um, as soon as their parents walked through the door, they would de-evolve into these little brats that the parents had to take home. And and parents would be floored when I would tell them about their kids' good behavior and this, that, and the other. And all it was was a little bit of structure, a little bit of rewards, a little bit of consequence, a little bit of predictability um, and, in in structure and it, it, uh, it brought the good behavior out of them. Unfortunately, the, uh, it doesn't follow them home. Um, I found that when you teach such things in a classroom or a karate studio or, uh, you know, a, cl- a classroom or a Sunday school class, uh, you can get kids to behave in that environment, but it does not transfer to any other class or any other environment other than that one because of that one teacher. But when you train and teach a child to behave at home, it then does transfer to every other area um, of their life. And um, so all that to say that I have found that, that I don't really have any experience um, in an all-age service environment where how do you discipline a child um, and and call and ha- call them to the carpet or or you know have them you know even request them to change their behavior when the parents are sitting right there um, in the city there's a lot of uh, of love for family you know like there is anywhere else um, but a lot of times it shows itself of, of like, you know, you can't tell my kids what to do. You don't know me. You don't know my family. You don't know my people. 
you don't know them. And uh, so it's, it's a challenge to come up with a way to maintain a certain level of uh, discipline in receptivity in the audience and yet um, not offend or, uh, well, offend's not the right word because I don't really care if I offend anybody. If your kid's being a butt and you can't handle your own child, I am going to say something. But that's what I'm saying. I had to figure out a way to do that. So what I've come up with is how, how do you discipline a group of kids when their parents are in the room? When they might even, they, they, they trump you because their parents are there. Um, well, you put the parents in charge and you make them responsible for their kids' behavior and you use discipline to structure for the parents. So here's my idea is we hand out two clips, clips being uh, clothespins. We pin it to each child's clothing, some, wherever they want, doesn't matter. Uh, and each of those clips are the prizes that they will win at the end of the evening, whether it be, um, fruit snacks or, you know, something hopefully healthy, maybe candy. I don't know. I don't know if that's even a thing that people do anymore. Uh, but each one of those symbolize one or two treats that they will get at the end of the service and parents will be instructed to pull a clip if their kids are misbehaving. And if they pull one clip, you know, obviously they'll get one prize. If they pull a second clip, the kid will get nothing. So it puts the power in the hands of the parents. I will also subsidize that with a um, mechanical uh, traffic light that I had built, that I built actually uh, years ago. And uh, I push a button. It starts with three lights, like a traffic light. You push a button, it sounds a buzzer, and one of the lights go out. You push it again, another buzzer, and then another light goes out. Push it again, buzzer, and the last light goes out. It's got a little Arduino thing before Arduinos were, were a thing. Um, and uh, it just goes through a cycle of lights. And so I will give them three chances on the stage. They get two chances out there in the in the audience. Um uh, and I will tell the parents, you know, that, that if they run out of lights on the stage, if the kids run out of lights on the stage during the service, then no one gets a prize. No one gets anything. And the way to keep me from pressing my button is uh, I, I'll, I'll just tell them, if you get them before I need to get them, then I don't push the button. So it, it'll, you know, subtly put the onus on the parents to uh keep their kids in line because it is important to have order um because if you don't nobody can listen nobody can pay attention nobody's going to receive i don't want the kids to be distracting and i don't want the kids to be distracted i want everyone to be engaged i want Everyone to uh, find it absolutely natural to to be engaged, meaning that I put out content and and uh, and segments that are interesting as well as educational, um, and uh, that. That you would have to work hard and go against the natural order of the flow of the event um, to be bored and therefore distracted and therefore 
not learning and listening. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. You know, we're talking about things like, okay, we want parents there. We want families there, but what happens when the kid shows up without the parents and, you know, what are we going to do with that? Are we going to allow that? Uh, You know, surely we don't send them home. And so, uh, you know, we're hashing out all these issues um, and coming up with uh, methods for handling it. You know, right off the top of our heads, we figure we got two options. One is you can stay for pre-show, but once the service starts, that's a different thing. And we'll send you home with a card and an invitation. um, And we will try to contact your family to invite them to the service the following week. Um, Or we can let them stay in the service Uh, but it's, but you know, they have to talk to me one-on-one and we talk about how they have to behave. Um, and that, that this is their one shot and, uh, you know, that we will follow up with family and try to get family to come the next week. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work out, but we got to have it kind of nailed down in advance. And that's, that's kind of the stuff that's going through my head again. It makes you feel a little bit more. Um, makes me feel a little bit more like a professional again, instead of just a slacker with no job. Um, because I do have a set of skills. I do have a a set of talents and abilities and that God has blessed me with, and they've just gone unused for the last five years. And, uh, it's good. It's good to have that, that back and thinking that way. And, 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 uh, you know, I don't expect the first service to be perfect. But um, I want to lay a solid foundation that we can build on um, and, and have put as much as I can into it because I believe God will bless that. Uh, he will anoint that. You know, the, the hard work that I do um, will be anointed along the create in the creation process and in the delivery process. So, um, okay, uh, as far as school goes, Many of you know that we have been really stressed out. I, I was uh, about moving, about the possibility of having to move to the county. Um, I was interviewing um, or I was sharing the mic last night on that story show with Austin Reason and uh, Janusz Stresbeck. And, and Austin was talking about the stresses of moving. Apparently, they were renting a place. They had a two-year plan to save up for a house. And suddenly the house is being sold out from under them and they have to move suddenly. I can't imagine how stressful that is because we were in a situation where we were going to have to move because of school. Um, but, but we had control over everything. You know, we didn't have a hard set. Well, we did, but the timeline was, was a long one, you know, and we had until the beginning of the following school year, we had all summer. I can't imagine what he's going through. Uh, because it, it, it took over our world, you know, looking for houses and, and trying to think of all these different things. And then many of you know that my daughter did find a spot at a high school that didn't even exist until this year. And then we found out that it wasn't going to come to pass. And we were back to square one. We made a decision that we weren't going to move, um, if at all possible. And, um, we ended up finding a school. And it's a co-ed Catholic school. And Jenna has been accepted. <laughs> we, me and Jen toured it uh, on Thursday. And Jenna goes in for some placement tests on Monday, but she is in. She is squared away. And it's a 
15 minute drive from here, but it's still in the city. It's very diverse, um, both economically and racially, which is what she's used to and what we're used to and what we want. And, um, it's, it's a big school. Uh, I mean, there's only 300 students total, but the, the facilities are not lacking. It looks like, a you know, high school musical kind of high school. It's cool. Uh, but they have sports and, you know, everything, all the classes you'd want and drama teams and bands and, you know, everything. So I'm very excited for her and she'll, she'll wear one of those skirts and those skirts are like 40 bucks each. So maybe, maybe she'll be one of the girls that wants to wear pants. Um, I'm kind of hoping, I don't know. You know what those girls do, by the way? found out found out a trick my daughter told me about it because we went to uh, another school that wore the the girls wore these skirts and i remember thinking when i was sitting there waiting for jenna i uh, see a couple of them walk by i'm like man those skirts are short that's crazy that they would let you know that that would be the uniform my my daughter says no they roll them so so here's what the deal is they don't hem them that short. They take those jokers and they roll them at the waist and, uh, and shorten them up that way. And I guess they do it cause they think they look cute and, 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 um, maybe they do, but that is not the age group that girls should be looking that way. I don't, I wouldn't call it cute. I would call it alluring and it's not a good look. Uh, especially in today's day and age with perverts and, you know, pedophiles and all that kind of stuff. So, um, this school that my daughter's a part of has a no rolling, they have a policy against it. So they're aware of it, but the school that, that we were looking at before where I saw it for the first time, um, they, I got the impression that the administration didn't even know that it was a thing. So at least this school that I'm t- sending my daughter to, uh, they, they seem to have their head in the game. You know, they know what's going on. So we're pretty excited. We toured it on Thursday. Jen goes in for placement tests on Monday and, uh, it's a done deal. And so we're going to be able to stay here in the city and, um, and the furniture that we bought, <laughs> uh, after we thought Jenna had a school is, is going to be used and not a waste of money. So it'll be great. Um, as far as podcast uh, updates, um, I, I, I talked last time about the patrons that um, are on my old Patreon page. And I've made another request to have them move their patronage and not one person has done so. And so I posted on, um, our, our discord server about it and just asked for input. Well, why, why do you think these folks are, you know, they're not, I don't even get a response like a no or, or no one's even canceling. And the question was put out, well, what if they don't know they're giving? And I don't know that I think that's the case because obviously they had to have set up their own account. Um, there is a possibility that they have forgotten about it, you know, and, and they're not noticing the two to four to $8 a month coming out of their accounts. Um, 
so I'm left with a little bit of a debacle. Do I continue to post shows to that page and collect the $18 an episode that is available there? And uh, with, with the knowledge that they possibly don't know that they're doing it or do I assume that they're fine um, because they're not responding and, and they just, they just want to keep giving without having to move their stuff over. So I don't know. Uh, so there's two ways to do it. There's, there's shutting down the page at the end of the month and, and canceling all of those, uh, patrons, which I don't want to do cause it seems offensive. You know, it's not just the money would be gone. Um, you know, somebody has set up to, to give and, and out of the goodness of their heart and I, I'm almost punishing them. I feel like for, for not doing something I want them to do. And I don't want to be that way. Uh, the other option is to just keep posting to it, collecting the funds until their cards expire. And if they renew, then I will know for sure. I mean, if they don't renew, if they don't update their information, then I will know that, oh, okay, we are a forgotten thing that they did years ago and they're not, they're not wanting to continue and then I could pull the plug knowing that I, I'm not being offensive. They've forgotten about us. They've moved on. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what the right thing is. If you have any input, like if you were in those shoes or if you're one of those people, maybe you're one of the folks that are still doing the old page, reach out to me. Let me know why. Uh, and that, that'll help me sleep at night because on one hand it is income, you know, and I, I want to, I, you know, how much income I bring in is a measure of success, one of the measures of success. Uh, but on the other hand, I don't want to take money that people aren't intentionally giving. Um, and, but I don't know that that's the case. So anyway, your, your input is always welcome. Uh, I did mention that last night podcast wise, I recorded with Janusz in Austin. Uh, Austin reason does a podcast called noobs in the Whovian that you can find on iTunes or wherever podcasts are sold. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. It went a little long, but it was a good time. And I'd never had Yanu Sean before. He's a great guy. I've, I've met him and his wife, uh, when they did a tour of route 66, St. Louis happens to have a chunk of route 66 in it. And, uh, they, they made, uh, made it a point to, to meet up with us and, and have dinner. And, uh, it's a lot of fun. Janusz works in a software company for mobile games. He's a very cool guy. got a very cool job and he's very, the only thing better than him and his job is his wife. She's amazing. She's a teacher and, uh, she's a great lady. Austin. I haven't met, but I've had him on the show a couple times. It was, it was a good one. So, um, that would be episode two ninety seven, creeping up on 300. Uh, so if you want to check that out, please do. It's called adulting, which is the worst word ever created. Not really, but it's 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 on the list of worst words ever created. Um, Podcast-wise, I need a new chair. Let me move around a little bit, see if you can hear. This is this is my chair. I got it. Um, I got it from IKEA, which is a great place to get cheap office chairs, but it started squeaking almost immediately and it's, it's really bad now. It's very loose and wobbly and, and all that. And I, 
I, uh, I struggle with chairs because I am a heavy guy. I seem to demolish regular office chairs. Like they just age faster than they normally would because, you know, I, I weigh 280 pounds, you know? Um, so I don't know. I, it's, it's, a it's not a, the biggest deal in my life, but, um, I don't know whether to invest in a, a big office chair, like a, like a formal kind of executive style office chair, or do I want to do the cool thing, which is to spend the money to on one of those racetrack looking ones. Have you seen those that gamers use, you know, that look like a seat from a race car? Um, those are appealing. They have lots of supports and they're made for gaming and, and, and therefore made for sitting in a, in a certain spot for a long time. Uh, the armrests adjust that, you know, to, to put your arms in line with the keyboard and the mouse and it has lumbar support and all these different things. Um, I don't know. I don't know. What, what do you think? What do you think I should do? <laughs> I'll put it out there to you guys. You guys that are all up in my biz. Um, you can have some input and, and say, you know, cause, cause, uh, a gaming chair is right at around $300. So it's not a small investment. This is something that I want. I don't want to just do, and uh, and regret. I don't want buyer's remorse because whatever chair I buy, I'm stuck with, and I gotta I gotta sit in it for a few years. Um, and maybe you have some. Maybe maybe somebody out there has one of these, and you say, "No, James, they they're all flash. They just look cool, but man, they start squeaking like crazy. They're not made for something like that." I don't know. Or maybe you're a broadcaster or, or, or an office worker and you have a chair that you absolutely love and is quiet and has been performing well for you. I would love, love, love to hear from you. Email me at james at nlcast.com and let me know about it. Um, lastly, on podcast stuff, I will happily inform you about a uh, something I'm calling the NarthexCon. It's a live recording of that story show and red school bus. It's taking place here in St. Louis, uh, June 29th from two to six at the Melvin theater here in South city, St. Louis. And it is going to be a blast. Uh, folks are driving, flying in, uh, we're going to have a meet and greet time. We're going to, uh, record a podcast. We're going to have a, a panel for questions and answers. And then we're going to do a, that story show recording with bonus content and all that stuff. There's going to be giveaways. Uh, there'll be hopefully some snacks and, um, I'm working on giveaways. Actually, I'm, I'm working on some Chick-fil-A cards, some steam gift cards. Uh, we've got some star Wars, uh, Funko pop memorabilia that, that will be given away. Um, but mostly it'll just be folks that, that love the show and, and love the stuff that we do getting together and putting names with faces, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I want to invite you to come. It's going to be free, absolutely free. Uh, you just got to register at NLCast.com. Um, and at the very top of the screen, there is a register today for the Narthex con in St. Louis, Saturday, June 29th. Click on that. It's a red bar at the very top of the screen. Uh, actually any page of the website is going to have this bar. Um, if you want the direct ad address, it's nlcast.com slash register dash now. And, uh, you just need to fill out, let me know who's coming 
And uh, that way we can be ready for you and maybe have name badges and, you know, goodie bags and things like that. I really want to spoil whoever comes. I want the people that can't come to hate that they didn't make it because I want to do it again next year. And uh, I want everybody that couldn't come this year to go next year. So anyway, I'm excited about it. If you can't tell, um, the venue is going to be great because it's going to be the the, um, the Melvin Theater. And you guys have heard me talk about it. And you'll actually get to go in it and see it and, and wonder why we bothered <laughs> fixing it up. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I want you to come June 29th, 2019. Okay. Um, here's some movies that I've watched recently. Uh, have you heard of the movie clock in the walls? It was all right. It was kind of a Harry Potter knockoff kind of thing where there's magic in the house and there's wizards and warlocks and stuff. And a kid, I don't want to give it away if, if you, you know, have seen it, but it was all right. It, it Jack black and, um, uh, the elf lady from Lord of the Rings were in it and some kid. Uh, it wasn't as dark as I was hoping it would be. The, the, the trailer made it seem like it was scary and it really wasn't scary at all. And, uh, I was hoping for a little bit. It's, it's not even goosebumps scary, you know? So, uh, not, you know, it's fine. It was fine. It's not nothing I'll ever watch again. Um, Nothing I was particularly impressed with, but the, the movie, uh, it's a Netflix movie, extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile is a story about Ted Bundy, but it is from the perspective. And I do mean the, the perspective of, um, a girl that he was very good to. Apparently she wrote a book about her experience and they turned it into this movie, and I highly recommend it for any adult to to watch it because if you've I, I've I've watched several documentaries on te, uh, Ted Bundy, uh, most recently the um, unreleased tapes that they did on on Netflix, and uh, seeing the seeing Ted Bundy from her perspective is pervasive through the entire movie. To the point that you will be asking yourself, was he just guilty of being in the wrong place at the wrong time? And then it, it just, it does a fantastic job. And of all people, um, stinking, uh, oh, I can't remember his name now, but he was in high school musical. The main kid from there, he, uh, he plays Ted Bundy and he does a fantastic job if you've ever seen any documentaries, you've seen film footage of the actual man himself. And, uh, he just does a great job. Last night I watched the Highwaymen, um, Kevin Costner and, uh, the guy from cheers, <laughs> Woody Harrelson were in it. And, um, sometimes I don't like watching old men movies, you know, like, uh, I was never attracted to space cowboys, you know, with Clint Eastwood and a bunch of old guys. Um, but High Women, I, I finally clicked on it. I knew I would probably enjoy it. I just was resistant to it. But it was a good film. It was a good movie. You want to talk about a story that's been told a hundred times, the story of Bonnie and Clyde, but told from the perspective of the men that were instructed to bring them down 
or try to bring them in. Um, they often get a bad rap because Bonnie and Clyde were so glorified in pop culture at the time. They were famous. Um, but this one really shows how dangerous and, and just heartless and sinister they were. Um, it really cuts through all the hype and the romance, the romanticizing of the story and really gets it back down to being basically a cops chasing down, you know, killers. And, uh, it did a great job and I won't, won't spoil anything. I still haven't seen Endgame. Speaking of spoiling things, nothing's been spoiled for me so far, but it's getting to the point where I wouldn't blame somebody if they spoiled it now. Cause it's been too long. I, I, I need to get out and see it probably this weekend. So those of you that pray for me, pray that I'll get to see end game this weekend. That'd be great. Um, my MMD, my main, my day of the, of the week has got to be, um, I think I mentioned that I've had a busy week because I had jury duty. I got called into jury duty and, uh, that was Monday. Uh, I had to be there at 8 a.m. I got to leave at four thirty or three thirty that afternoon, um, with a break for lunch in the middle. Uh, and I just basically sat in a chair and waited for my number to be called. And it was never called. They let us go a little early that first day, which was great. Um, but I watched a lot of Netflix, watched a lot of YouTube videos and fought sleep. Cause I was so afraid that I would fall asleep and sleep through the announcements of my number. So they called us back the next day. We had to be there at nine and they called my number and I got put into a pool. They took us into a, um, a courtroom and I had never been, I have, I've been in courtrooms before, but, um, this was a smaller one. It was a criminal case, which I was nervous about. I, thought it would be a civil case. That's what I was, because uh, we met in the civil court building, but they walked us across the street and stuck us in another court and snuck a criminal case in on us. But they started asking us weird questions like, um, have you ever been in a fight? And do you believe in the concept of, of, uh, of, of, uh, self, what do you call it? Self defense. Yeah. You believe in self defense and, you know, just these leading questions. This wasn't just the the uh, lawyers picking which uh, jury members they wanted. They were already stroking us to um, get them, get us primed and ready to believe, you know, what their testimony was going to be. Both sides did it, but especially the state side. He was a slick shyster. But um, one of the questions was, you know, that, that, that this is going to be a trial largely based on testimony. And would you be able to feel comfortable making a choice about someone's, you know, guilt or innocence solely based on testimony? And my heart started racing because I have a situation. I've had an experience with that. And I raised my hand and, and stood up and said, look, I have a friend who did some stupid stuff, but, um, somebody said he had a gun while he did these stupid things and, uh, it got him in a ton of trouble and he spent five years behind bars because of it, because of a stupid lie. And so, yeah, I would find it very difficult 
um, given my experience to put somebody away just based on somebody else's word. You know, he said, she said, and so the lady next to me said, Oh, I think you just got out of it. And I'm like, it's not my goal here. I, I, I don't like jury duty any more than anybody else, but I also want to do my duty. And especially considering that uh, jury duty was a, a, uh, a milestone for me because I was called on six months ago and I had to, I, I was just in a bad place uh, anxiety wise. And I had to get my doctor, my psychiatrist to write me an excuse so that I, I didn't have to do it because I couldn't do it. I, I mean, the idea of it just stressed me out to beyond belief to where I, if they made me do it, I still wouldn't be able to go in. Um, so this time around when it, when it came up, you know, cause they, they gave me a six month, uh, reprieve or whatever, uh, I was able to. And so I did it, you know, so I, I was there and I, I got up early and I, I got showered and I got down there and, and it took many spoons to, uh, <laughs> to get there. Uh, so th- this lady just dismissing me like I was just trying to get out of it is not true. I, I just felt like I needed to tell the truth in that situation. Um, because honestly, thinking about it now, if I, tr- if I believe what I said, I believe, which I did, I do, I should have just shut up. Because I could have got on the the jury and I could have voted in his favor against the testimony. You see what I'm saying? I could have, I could have exercised my beliefs and, 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 and monkeyed with it, but morally that wouldn't be right. I am supposed to be impartial. And that was truly a situation where I was not going to be able to be impartial. Um, and so I'm sure I, I was a, a juror that the uh, defense would have loved to have had, but <laughs> the uh, state, not so much. Um, but getting out of jury duty, uh, I wasn't, I, you know, they released us for lunch. They come back and they selected all the numbers and I was not picked. I was very relieved because I also have an issue with judging other people. And I don't feel like um, that, that I'm supposed to, I, I, I don't think, um, that that's what the Bible says uh, when it says don't judge others. I don't think it's talking about court cases. Um, it does talk about not bringing uh, legal action against other Christians and stuff like that, especially suing them. Um, so, so I would have issues there, but uh, I just personally don't feel like I'm the person um it's just, it's just so uncomfortable. I don't know that's a terrible word because, you know, changing a baby's diaper is uncomfortable, but you still have to do it. It's, it's more than that. It's just, um, for me, I, I would have a moral issue with judging somebody else's guilt or innocence. It's just too much. It's like trying to pick somebody else's tattoo. How, how they, I, they're going to have to live with my decision. And, and that's just a lot of stress. It's a lot of pressure, uh, sending somebody to jail, you know, changing their life. What if I see them at, at schnooks grocery store <laughs> later on in life? What do I do? I don't know. So it's part fear, I suppose as well. Uh, just some thoughts to cap out this extra long, um, GOK rounding the hour eight minute mark here um 
I've realized that that the change in mood from last week to this week is it's so so much the depression and I and I say that so many times but I always forget that when I'm down it doesn't feel like depression it feels like it's me it feels like it's who I am and I judge myself according to that and I hate myself and I feel like I should be able to do more but then when I'm fine, when everything's fine, when I'm myself, when I, this is actually who I am. Everything is just so easy. It's so normal to take a shower. It's so normal to get out of bed. It's so normal to record a podcast and go to a award ceremony. It's not a drain. It's not a, a big deal. And that's who I really am. But I always forget that when I'm down. And if you're a depression person, maybe you can relate. But maybe you haven't sat and thought about it. So think about it this week that I'm not what depression has made me. I am someone that has depression and depression makes me feel this way and act this way. But that's not me. I am someone with an illness. You know, uh, people with diabetes don't let diabetes you know, they're they called diabetics, but they, they don't wear that as a badge of honor and, and, and sit there and say, hi, I'm, I'm James Kennison. I'm diabetic. You know, it's, it's not their identity, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, doctors on the other hand, have something to be proud of. They do identify themselves by that. Um, but depression is not something that you should define yourself by. You are a person who has depression. You are not a depressing person. You're not a terrible person. So it, it just, just, but the difference between last week and this week is just showing me again, that it's all about that depression crap. It's just depression. It's not that I suck. It's not that I'm a terrible person. Um, it's just that I have a, a mental illness, unfortunately. And I hate the stigma that comes with admitting that, but it's, it's a, it's a chemical imbalance. It's simple, you know, simple as that. So, um, I want to read something that, uh, Katie sent me. Um, I don't get many emails in regard to gospel of Kennison and that's fine because it's, you know, it's not super interactive. It's not like I read stories like on that story show or whatever, but, uh, she, she shared this and I wanted to, mention it and respond to it on the show. So she said, I've been using a journal to help me figure out a schedule. One of the, uh, on the first page, I'll write down a list of my stuff I need to do and things I'm worried about. And then I'll number them. Uh, number one being things I'm most worried about. Afterwards, I make a chart of what can I do about this right at this moment. And what can't I do anything about right now? And then I'll go through and make a small schedule. For example, if history homework, English homework, and chores uh, start simple, say you'll work for five minutes on one of these things and do so. And you don't have to do any more. As long as you've done at least five minutes, you know you've made an effort. And that's from Katie. And Katie is absolutely right. Um, I, I'm assuming she's a teenager and she's struggling with, uh, depression, and anxiety, I'm assuming. And, uh, doing this journaling thing is absolutely right. Um, there is a book out there called getting things done. 
And I have found it to be hugely helpful when it comes to this kind of thing. But journaling or, or, or scheduling is what I'll call it from now on is very important because if you can write down things uh, the day before you have to do them, it's so much easier to write down that to-do list than waking up that morning and saying, okay, what do I need to get done today? That's stress, man. That's horrible. That's insurmountable. But when you're just chilling at the end of the day and, and you want to write down the things that you've got to do the next day, uh, it, there's some space between you. There's a sleep between you and all that stuff. And, um, first of all, scheduling helps that it, but it also sets you up. It gives you time to get ready and to collect the spoons, to be able to do the things that you need to do. Um, uh, but, um, this is very, what she mentioned is very much like getting things done. Cause GTD says, um, you know, get a, a bunch of index cards and every index card is one item that you have to get done. And then, um, there there's, it, there's comp, it, it can be as complex or as simple as you want. I'm going to mention the simple version. They say, put them on individual index cards because you can, they're on the fly, reorganize them and sort them. She, she said she numbers them one through whatever. Um, but in, in this case, you write each item down on an index card and you can flip through them and reorder them on the fly because priorities change moment by moment. And, um, on that card, you would write, you know, uh, wash the car or do science homework. And then she, what, what she would call in her email is what can I do about this right now? Um, they would call that, uh, the first action. So if I'm going to wash the car, what is the very first thing I've got to do to get that job started? I need to find the bucket and the soap. So I would write that down. And so when I'm stressed out now and it's the next day and I've got to actually wash this car, I may not be able to do the whole job. I might not be able to handle the whole thing, but can I go find the bucket and the soap and get that ready? Yes, I can. And getting started is often the hardest part of any uh, accomplishment. And a lot of times you'll find yourself doing more than what was on that first item, you know? Um, and, and, and sometimes you'll even complete the entire task before you've realized that you've done it. But after you finish that first actionable item and say that you've had enough on that one for the day, then you write down the next actionable item and you flip that thing to the back of the page and you move on to the next thing. Um, I do like what that she added. What can't I do anything about this? You know, what, 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 what are the things that I can't do anything about right now? And that is an addition. That is a, a good addition for folks that deal with anxiety. Um, you know, there are, cause it helps prioritize what can't, but I would say instead of me writing that down, I would just flip those cards to the back of the pile. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and the first things up in the front would be the, th the actionable things, the things that I can't do right now or can't do anything about. Maybe I put a date on there. And I say, you know what, let's visit this again in a week or let's visit this again in three days. And that way, as I'm flipping through my cards, I'm like, oh, no, that's for Monday. That's for next week. That's for next month. Um, 
but I used to use this extensively and I may start doing it again now that I've got responsibilities again for church and stuff um, because it works for shopping lists. Uh, you, I, I found myself uh, making a card for Target, making a card for the grocery store, making a card for Walmart, making a card for uh, a hardware store. And I would start writing down my lists that I needed on those things. And I would always have it with me. Um, somebody said one time when they tried to, can I put, can I put them on a ring? And I, and I really challenged them not to not don't, don't poke a hole in them and put a ring through them because then you can't, you can't rifle through them and reorder them in real time. Um, I would suggest a, a binder clip, um, uh, to clip them down or get a checkbook wallet because checkbook wallets hold index cards and, uh, you know, you can use lined cards or unlined cards. I don't, I don't care, but, uh, Katie, Katie's got a system and I'm proud of her. And I think that's awesome. And I appreciate her sharing that and giving me a chance to talk a little bit about what I've done in the past too. I think her system's great. Um, and, and getting things done is a great resource. If, you know, if you can't buy the book, you'll get the gist of it in, in the first you know few chapters, uh, then Google, uh, getting things done, GTD, and you will find, even if you did a Google image search, you will find diagrams of how it works. And some of them are more complex. Find the simple ones that just deal with the index card part of it, uh, because it is for businessmen. And, and so there becomes, there's a whole filing system and there's ins and out boxes and all this kind of stuff. But just for simple task management for a person living their life, you can do it with just the index cards like I mentioned. And if you have any questions about such things, email me, james at nlcast.com. Um, I want to mention uh, some of our patrons before we go and, and thank them personally. Thank you, Zane Estrada. Thank you, Carrie Wright. Thank you, Carrie Bernhardt, uh, for your support. And thanks all of our patrons that support the show financially. Uh, it means so much. If you are a listener and you would like to support, you can go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash G-O-K. Uh, you can do as little as a dollar a month. You can do two bucks a month. You can do three bucks a month, four bucks a month, five bucks a month, six bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, 20 or 40 or more. Uh, and, and people surprise me all the time. Uh, but, you know, if if you find value in this little stupid little podcast I do. Um, one of the greatest ways to show it is by helping me financially because it, it does help me to, um, to function <laughs> it helps me as a, as a man to, to be making an income doing something I love. And, uh, you can be a big part of that. So, uh, anyway, thank you. I hope you will email me with any of the things that I mentioned during the show, especially about chair advice and stuff like that. Anything you need to know about getting things done. If there's ever a topic that you would like to hear my opinion on, or if you have a question about me, um, uh, please email me and we'll address it just like we did for Katie. Uh, we'll see you guys next time right here on the gospel of Kennison. God bless. Oh.